With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as we are in the middle of camp season as Nebraska wrapping things up and it was a very busy weekend for uh, the Husker Online team as uh, we had an interview with Coach Scott Frost. You're going to hear that later here in the show. Our own John Tallman from Rivals.com National uh, got to sit down with Coach Frost. They had the pipeline camp. Um, they had the uh, Friday Night Lights camp, but also during that time, Nebraska hired a new baseball coach, and uh, Will Bolt is coming back home, and I don't think it's a surprise, guys, to anybody. I mean, when you kind of look at the history of Nebraska baseball before Dave Van Horn, this was a program that really was irrelevant, and they had about a stretch from 99 to 2006 where – they were very relevant. They were a top 10, top five baseball team in the country many of those years, Super Regionals, three College World Series, et cetera. And Rob Childress and Dave Van Horn particularly were the architects of that. And they've got a number of guys that played for them, that played here at Nebraska, that are now in the coaching business, and one of those being Will Bolt. And I, th- I think when you look at Will Bolt, you study his history. He was a captain for Dave Van Horn. You know, he played here on – uh, the teams that built this program up went to back-to-back College World Series. But I really thought the separator for him over any other candidate, when a guy like Rob Childers, as we know, wasn't going to come here, was Will Bolt coached at Nebraska for, I believe, what, three seasons in the Big Ten Conference. And um, I, I think he was a part of when it was really good here with Van Horn, Childers. But the fact that he knows what Big Ten baseball is like as well and, you know, he's kind of at that same age that a Van Horn was, that a Childress was when they first came to Nebraska in the late 90s. Um, this makes a lot of sense because realistically, you weren't going to get a Pat Casey here. You weren't going to get a Rob Childress to Nebraska. Um, I mean, they, they, you know, Bill Moose did his due diligence. I think he approached some big name guys. Um, but I, I do believe it was important to stay within that Dave Van Horn family tree. Yeah, and it kind of goes along with uh, every hire Bill Moose uh, to an extent has made so far uh, and getting people that are familiar with Nebraska and the culture of Nebraska and what it means to play and coach here. And Will Bolt checks every box in that regard. And so obviously he has a playing experience and more importantly, like you mentioned, he has the coaching experience. Um, you know, he knows everything about what Nebraska baseball has been and what it can be. And uh, what really impresses me about him is, um, you know, not only just his background, but what he was able to accomplish while at Texas A&M. I mean, he proved himself as one of the best recruiters in the country. And it would, no coincidence, he was able a big part of why, you know, they, Texas A&M was able to take some of the best high school talent in the state of Nebraska and get him down to College Station. And so, I mean, I think that that is, uh, you know, just as good as anything is um, he realizes um, the importance of security 
securing the borders on the recruiting front when it comes to high school baseball in the state of Nebraska because there is elite level talent here uh, and he's going to make it a priority and so I mean uh, he he gets it on so many different levels and you know I guess outside of those um, maybe kind of pie in the sky names that were thrown out with Rob Childers and whatever the next name I think most everybody had was Will Bolt and so it makes total sense it was not a surprise by any stretch that he ended up being the guy and I think long term he's going to be a very very good fit for what this program needs right now well yeah not only I think does he understand the importance of recruiting Nebraska but he's also going to have ties to recruiting the state of Texas too mm-hmm. um you know and and I think he he's brought he's already brought on um, you know I, I think someone who's heavily involved in recruiting uh, I think was at Sam Houston State I'm drawing a blank on on the name of that person but um, I think they were named the the recruiter of the year in, in that conference Lance Harville yeah, yeah. Um, you know and, and so, so Jeff Christie Lance Harville are the two assistants Jeff Christie former Nebraska catch, catcher will coach pitchers and catchers and Harville the other assistant mm-hmm. and so it, to me it's pretty clear that that recruiting is going to be a, a very important part of of uh, will bolts you know uh, strategy here at Nebraska which it needs to be I, I think if if you recruit well um, you know and, and I think you know, Michigan kind of shows it right now what they're doing in the College World Series. I think if you can recruit well and get some decent players, uh, especially pitchers on your staff, you can go far, uh, not only in this conference, but even in the postseason. So uh, I'm excited to see what, what, uh, what the, you know, is in store for Nebraska baseball going forward. Well, congratulations again to Will Bolt. We're excited to have you back here and see what he can do now. Back at his alma mater after being here for a while as a coach and going to Texas A&M for the last several years and now – Getting a chance, and I can tell you, I've known Will for a long time, close to twenty years, and he is as big of a Husker fan as you're going to meet. I mean, he was the kind of guy that would try to find places in private to watch Nebraska games when he was working at Texas A&M because he is still a Husker guy through and through, and loves this place as much as anybody you ever meet. So uh, it's always good to see a guy like that get a chance to come back home. One brief basketball scheduling note I want to get to, Robin. They announced the Cayman Island games couple things they got that in and when when does nebraska go off to italy and they've been practicing for that as well right uh not practicing they're doing workouts right now uh so the the italy trip is august 3rd through the 13th uh, and with that, I mean, obviously that's a huge experience just for the team with all the transition going on. But more importantly, they get 10 additional full-on, full-staff coaches, uh, coaching uh, practices uh, on campus before they leave for Italy. And so that starts with the start of the second five-week session in July. Um, right now, not even the whole team is on campus yet. They're still kind of having a few guys finishing up some academic stuff. Uh, but the majority of the roster is here, and they're just kind of going through individual skill work, uh, lifting weights, uh, just kind of acclimating uh, to the campus and just getting all settled in. So it's pretty kind of lightweight stuff right now. But once July rolls around, that's when uh, the real uh, hard work is going to start to get going and where they're really going to figure out what they have to work with, um, at least starting that process. And then with the Cayman Islands Classic, uh, Nebraska gets the draw of Washington State, one of the only other uh, – A little Bill Moose special. Yeah, the, the, the Bill Moose shootout, as I like to call it. Uh, <laughs> with the uh, the only other, I think, Power 5 school in the field. Uh, but Washington State leads a lot to be desired as far as the actual program. Um, they've been really bad for a while now. Um, they're going through a coaching transition. Ernie Kent got fired. Uh, Kyle Smith uh, has taken over uh, in his first year, and they lose a bunch of players from the roster from a team that wasn't very good. So it's a name. 
but it's going to be a very favorable draw for Nebraska out of the gates. And just the way that bracket sets up, um, they're going to have every opportunity to win that tournament. So we don't even know what this team looks like yet. That's that's the hard thing to gauge. I mean, yeah. we don't even know who the leading scores are going to be yet. Right. We don't know the starting on paper, five. On paper, they should be the, one of the favorites in that field. But again, the story of the offseason is going to be how can they take that collection of individuals and turn it into a cohesive, unified team? And uh, how well they're able to do that will ultimately determine uh, what the season is. And briefly, Nate, Nebraska had the program in this week, uh, the Navy SEAL training program that they've used now two years in a row with Scott Frost. Bo Pelini used it several years in a row as well. They didn't use it under Mike Riley. It uh, wasn't really a practice. Sean Eichhorst, um believed in bringing in these types of groups to do, but very common thing. A lot of college football programs do this. I know Kansas State has done it already with Chris Kleiman. Um, just your thoughts on that, and I, I know you've talked to some guys in depth about that and what it's all about. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's an important deal. Um, you know, from I haven't really heard anything from from this year's installment or, or whatever you want to call it with the program, but I know from talking with some guys about it last year that. That was maybe a huge turning point in the in the off-season workouts where some of the younger guys, like an Adrian Martinez and a Cam Taylor and, and some of those types of, of true freshmen, um, finally earned the chance to kind of have a voice or, or to earn uh, kind of earn their stripes, so to speak, um, with the way that they handled themselves You know, when things got really tough during the program because they do put them through – quite the grueling uh, experience. And, and I think that uh, that's it, it allows true leaders to really kind of take hold of an opportunity to, to show what they're made of. And uh, and I'm, I have no doubt that that happened once again this year. And I'm sure there's some younger guys that, that prove that they can be leaders. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's something that we'll continue to see them do. All right, when we come back, we've got a, we had a chance to sit down with Nebraska head coach Scott Frost, Rivals.com's John Tallman had that opportunity here during the pipeline camp for Nebraska. You get a chance to listen to that entire interview next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, I told you we had a chance this week, Rivals.com had a chance this week to talk with Nebraska head coach Scott Frost. It's the only interview Scott Frost has done since Nebraska's April red-white spring game. So a uh, rare opportunity for Rivals.com as um, we had some folks in town covering the pipeline camp with us here over the weekend. And our own John Tallman from Rivals.com had this opportunity to catch up with the head man, Scott Frost. John Tallman here with Rivals.com and Nebraska head coach Scott Frost. Thanks for uh, joining us. I, let's start here with uh, the pipeline camp today. And it was the first year of this offensive-defensive line. How, how important is a camp like this, not just from a recruiting and an evaluation standpoint, but development of these players uh, in Nebraska and surrounding states? It's important for us. You know, We want to recruit well in the state, definitely in the region. We're going to have to recruit nationally, but if there's a good player in the Midwest, we want to know about them and give them an opportunity to play here. Um, I think it's also special to have a pipeline camp and have more camps that just focus on O&D line. Um, that's been the bread and butter of Nebraska football uh, in, the, in the great history of Nebraska football, the dominant O-lines and great D-linemen. Um, there's a lot of seven-on-seven -seven camps everywhere. There's a lot of opportunity for skilled players to, to show what they can do. There's probably fewer for O&D linemen, so we're happy to give any O&D lineman that wants to compete another opportunity. You transitioned your entire staff from UCF to Nebraska. At UCF, a lot of maybe a regional recruiting emphasis. At Nebraska, it's more national. How has that transition been like when you guys focus on recruiting strategy? 
Well, we got to go everywhere. Uh, I think we can get uh, a good part of our team and probably the core of our team right here in the Midwest. Uh, hopefully a lot of kids from the state. Uh, but we're going to have to go to a lot of different other places to, to fill out our recruiting classes and, and get the type of players that we need. So our coaches did a great job in the spring of going all over. Uh, we hit a, a bunch of different states, a lot of different high schools. Our, our guys have really worked hard to make sure that if there's a player that we think is good enough to play here, that uh, they're familiar with us and they get an offer. Going from that first recruiting class where you're kind of on a shortened timetable, did you guys change any recruiting strategy from – say, the, the last class to this class or from year one to year two on how you guys recruit, just learning a little bit more about uh, the area and the Big Ten? Yeah, I don't know if we changed our strategy at all. Uh, it was just helpful to have more time. And, and I think the biggest difference in having a, a whole year uh, was being able to get to know the kids that we were recruiting better. You know, we, we just had to fast track it that first year and get the best players we could that were available. Um, this past year, I'd say we were more selective and, and able to recruit players, not just based on their, their play on the field, but also how we think they'd fit us and their character. How has the state of Nebraska changed since, say, when you were recruited or the challenge of getting an in-state player to, uh, to go to Nebraska? I know there's so many kids that want to play, but is it different uh, in terms of it maybe not being a slam dunk with, with some kids just because uh, of Nebraska's kind of history in the past couple seasons? I don't think it's changed. It probably changed a little before this staff got back here. Um, but we're going to put an emphasis on Nebraska kids. And if there's one that we think is good enough to play here, we're going to make sure they're here. You got a, a great one in Adrian Martinez. How do you manage quarterback recruiting moving forward, knowing you've got a couple more years with Adrian? To be honest with you, I kind of feel like uh, our track record with quarterbacks sells itself. Um, the success quarterbacks have had in our offense, I think, sells itself. Um, in, in my time in this offense, we had Darren Thomas that took us to a national championship, Marcus Mariota that won a Heisman, uh, Vernon Adams that led the country in pass efficiency, uh, Mackenzie Milton uh, was one of the best players in the country, and now Adrian Martinez. And if there's a great player in our scheme, uh, they're going to be a household name around the country, and, and I think that's going to help us get the most talented guy that we possibly can. It's been a full year now. We have the transfer portal. It seems to be a hot topic. What, what are your thoughts on that, and, and how, do you, how have you guys approached it? Well, we're just trying to figure out that landscape and how that's going to work like everybody else. I, I think it's important to, for everybody to understand that uh, I think people have been surprised by the transfer portal. Um, there's a lot of kids in it, uh, but a real low percentage of kids are leaving uh, Power 5 schools and landing at other Power 5 schools. Um, so I don't think it, it was quite a big a shuffling of the cards as people thought it was going to be. Um, we certainly want every kid that comes here to, to finish here, uh, to get their degree here and have a great experience. Inevitably, there's going to be some kids that leave here. There's going to be some kids that we want from other places. But um, I, I think it's in kids' best interest once they make a decision uh, to stick it out. You know, just using myself as an example, I, I didn't play until my fourth year of college and things worked out really well for me and sometimes you got to be patient and put in the work uh, to reap the rewards of of what you're expecting to have happen and you've had a couple additions uh, through transfer what what excites you about some of those guys that that have transferred in recently well I think we had an opportunity to address a couple holes or a, a couple depth issues um, certainly losing Stanley last year uh, we felt like we needed some immediate help at receiver and I think we were able to add there um, I think having Darian on campus gives us uh, some more depth and a good player on the D-line. He's also been an unbelievable leader for us. So uh, we're not going to be a team that's going out and, and trying to add six or seven players a year. But if there's an area in need or, or somebody special that pops up, 
uh, we're going to do what we can to try to get them here. I always want to ask, you're going out, you're trying to inject talent into your program, and, and obviously talent is, is super important, but how, how difficult is or how do you guys go about not just finding the right player from a talent aspect, but also that's going to be a good fit uh, with the rest of the team? You know, I think the way we recruit helps us get the right kind of kid. Um, you know, we're not going to just be slick recruiters and go out and tell kids what they want to hear. Uh, we want kids to get to Lincoln, see what we're all about. We're going to show them exactly who we are and what we're all about. Uh, the type of kid that wants to come to Nebraska to play is usually uh, a kid that's serious about it. Uh, if you're going to choose to leave someplace closer to home to come to Nebraska, then you probably recognize a lot of what makes Nebraska, Nebraska, the fact that there's really good men in this building that want to help them. Um, this is a great place to come to focus on what's important, and that's uh, faith and family and football and academics and, um, you know, having more time to recruit and get to know kids certainly helps us, but I think the way we recruit uh, kind of does that on its own and, and help, helps make sure that we get the right kind of people. You guys have had some success in recruiting in Arizona and New Jersey, and these are places historically, Nebraska, uh, when, even when you were playing, are, have you know, been very great talent pools to tap into. Is that a conscious effort to kind of go back to some states that you know that Nebraska's historically done well or just uh, finding happens to be those, those players and the, your staff has connections there? Yeah, I think in this day and age in recruiting, there's less focus on areas than there used to be. Uh, you see everybody around the country recruiting a little more nationally. So if there's a good player, we're going to do everything we can to get them here. Um, I think uh, there's naturally some areas where the kids that grow up there probably fit Lincoln a little bit better, and that's probably the reason that some of those have been hotbeds for Nebraska. So when I played, just having Mike Brown and from Arizona and the, the Peter brothers from uh, New Jersey, uh, there's been a lot more, but those were some of the key players on our teams, and, and there's a great track record from those two states of, of success at Nebraska. One thing that's interesting, too, about recruiting is when you find uh, a, a, a great player and then the position they may have come in at, that's not where they're ultimately going to end up for you. A guy like Cam Jurgens moving to center, how's that transition gone for, for a guy like Cam? Well, we're going to recruit as elite athlete as we can. And sometimes those guys end up where you think they were going to, and other times you look at him and think, man, he'd be nails somewhere else. And Cam's a good example. He came in, and we were trying to decide whether to play him at outside linebacker or tight end. And uh, it didn't take me very long watching him to, to see what he was and, and feel like he could be an elite center if we moved him. And um, he's had some injury issues, and we got to get him through that. But I have a lot of confidence in what he can become uh, at that position. So we're going to try to put guys in the, the best place that we possibly can to help them get on the field and have success. Finish up on this. You talked about uh, last year, you know, the turning point. Uh, you also talked about feeling good about where the program is going. As you sit here today, what excites you about this group going into the, this season? Well, when I walk into the weight room and, and see what our team looks like, that excites me. Um, when I see smiles on kids' faces and the effort that they're putting in because they love what they're doing, that excites me. Um, you know, we finished in a good place last year. We certainly went through a heck of a lot of pitfalls and bumps to get there. Uh, the key for us is to start where we left off from a culture standpoint, from an attitude standpoint, uh, and from a competitive standpoint. And we were a good enough team at the end of last year to beat, to play with or beat about anybody we played. Uh, we need to make sure we start their game one. Scott, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. You bet.
And thanks again to Nebraska head coach Scott Frost for taking some time with rivals this week as our own John Tallman had a chance to speak with Coach Frost. When we come back, we're going to shift over and we're going to take your questions here in the mailbag. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. We just heard from John Tallman and Scott Frost. Back, though, here, guys, to the regular portion of the show. And we are without interns today. Um, I've been on a little bit different schedule of their taping. I've been on jury duty the last two weeks, so uh, we weren't able to really get our regular taping times down. So no Mike Wheeler, no Alec Rome uh, with us in studio. So I'm going to do my best, guys, to be an intern. Um, bear with me. And out of the gates, Nate, first question, what the heck is going on with Jakeem Green? Should we be worried your thoughts? I mean, you are one of the few people in the state of Nebraska that's actually talked to Jakeem Green in person and spent time with him. What is your thoughts on him visiting Texas Tech this weekend or coming up? Well, yeah, obviously less than ideal situation. Anytime you have any commit visiting, uh, you know, another school, and 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 I think there is a certain level of uh, you know of panic or, or whatever you want to you want to call it I think with him he's he's finishing up two classes uh, I think one is supposed to be done here in the next two or three weeks the other one is supposed to be done by the end of July and then he's supposed to be on campus at, at Nebraska well um, you know I guess the little background story he had been committed to South Carolina for over a year he had to take a math an online math class from a different college which uh, made it so that he wasn't would, was not able to transfer those credits to any SEC school, uh, which essentially made him a free agent. Nebraska became involved. He committed to the Huskers uh, the weekend of the spring game, but the window to sign a letter of intent had passed. So he's essentially been a free agent, um, you know, really since since signing day, and in uh, in far past since you know he committed to Nebraska. There's been a lot of other schools that have continued to recruit him and. He's going to Texas Tech this weekend. I know Florida Atlantic and Houston and handful of other schools are, are places that he's uh, you know been in communication with and that are, that continue to recruit him. And I do I know for a fact that he would ultimately like to be playing in the South, uh, but at the same time I know that he still has he still likes Nebraska. He still has a very good relationship with Coach Tuioti, Coach Held. I know the coaches at Highland. Um, obviously, they're not going to like make him go to any particular school but I know that they um, are are kind of you know hoping that he sticks with his his original decision to go to Nebraska after things fell through with uh, South Carolina so we'll see what happens but uh, it's something to pay close attention to here you know as you're here over the next month or so as things get close for him to to be arriving in Lincoln got an off the wall college world series question describe if you could describe this year's college world series with one word what would it be? One word, one phrase. Well, I'm going to say the North. You got Michigan, man. I mean, this is this is pretty cool. Um, I know they're not in the championship series yet as we're taping this show, but what a statement for the Big Ten to have a team like Michigan do what they're doing right now. And then, you know, they've got a very diverse roster. That's getting a lot of national attention. Um, I mean, this is a huge development for the conference, I think, having Michigan doing what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the overlying storyline as far as we're concerned. Um, it wouldn't be a College World Series if it weren't for rain, so <laughs> we'll put that one in there. Obviously, some games already canceled, uh, pushed back uh, to really kind of um, cluster up the schedule a little bit, but uh, that's kind of part of the deal when you're in Omaha in June. Yeah, I'll go with pitching. I agree with both you guys, but I think 
we've seen just how valuable pitching is. Um, in Michigan, for example, has they've got two lights out pitchers, um, and, and that have really carried them a long way here. And I think it shows you just how important it is. Uh, you know, if, if you have a, a really good pitching staff, you can go a long way in the postseason. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions in the mailbag as uh, I'm scrolling through here. Another random one here off the wall. Big Ten Media Days is coming up in late July. Who does Nebraska take? Well, I can tell you I've got a little intel. Mm-hmm. Quarterback Adrian Martinez, I believe, will be there. It's not official. There's no list out yet. Um, but I think Khalil Davis, the defensive lineman, is going to be there for Nebraska. And then I'm missing one more name. Muhammad Barry. Muhammad Barry. So Muhammad Barry, Khalil Davis, Adrian Martinez. If that's how it holds out, any thoughts on that group? Yeah, two of them are really obvious. Uh, Martinez is the face of your program. Muhammad Barry is the face of your defense. The interesting one is Khalil Davis. Uh, I mean, he's obviously going to be a, a critical part of their defensive line, but um, you know, with the defensive line during like every post-practice interview session that they do, they do it like with five guys at a time. Like they don't do one-on-one interviews. And now you're putting this guy in a position where he's going to have to sit there and talk for like two hours straight. Uh, that's going to be a, a test for him, but maybe they're doing one of those things where they're preparing him uh, to be a little bit more media savvy. And he, he was the defensive lineman of the year last year for yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, again, I mean, it's his ability and talent and accomplishments it makes total sense, but uh, from a personality standpoint, this will be very far out of his comfort zone, and I'm interested to see how he handles it. Yeah, I think he'll be able to handle it all right. I, I really don't like the way that the, the defensive line does the post-practice interviews. It uh, makes it hard to, to really get a whole lot out of it. But I think he'll be fine in this situation, uh, even though he, he doesn't do those types of things very often. Uh, I totally agree with them taking Adrian Martinez. I, I think that Mohamed Berry, I think, makes a, a ton of sense. But also Martinez, you know, he, he is the face of your program. He is arguably your biggest leader on the team. And, and I think that, uh, you know, anytime you have a player like that, you've got to take him to, to the media days. Got time here for um, a few more questions in the mailbag here. Let me scroll through here. Nate, um, getting this one, I know we've got a lot, but number one, are you worried? No commits yet. (laughs) Number two, when will good news happen? Yes, um, it's time to start panicking. Get out your pitchforks. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm officially hitting the button. It's, it's, it is time, Husker Nation. Panic, panic. No, uh, I'm just joking. Stop. Uh, stop the panic. Stop the, the hand-wringing. In it's, fact, I won't see you after tonight. You're so worried. Yes. You're going to hide. It's just relax. Okay, it's going to happen. And, and I'm telling you what, there are commits coming, and the dom- once, once one falls, there's going to be kind of a ripple effect of commits. And I know that last year we saw like 10 commits in like, what was it? Six, like, eight weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like 38 days or something like that. I, I think that, um, I don't know if we'll necessarily see quite that many, but we're going to see a handful. I, someone asked me today, um, you know, over under three commits by July 4th or, or, or July 5th or something like that. And over, yeah, it's going to be over. I, I, I think that I could see Nebraska landing three or four commits this weekend. And, and I think there's going to be, uh, four or five guys that, that are, you know, deciding after this weekend. So, uh, I, 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 I it's not time to worry. It's not time to panic. This is going to come together. Scott Frost and the staff did not forget how to recruit after they put together a top 15 class in the country last year. Just relax. And there's a couple in-state guys. I mean, they could offer today and they'd be commits by tomorrow. Yeah. 
if yeah. not that day. I mean, but they're not. They haven't done that. They're 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 well, waiting. They don't need to they do don't it either. It, it, I mean, they're in on a lot of guys, and those players that they're in on just have not made decisions yet. Yeah, there have been some guys that have fallen off the board too, but. I'm telling you, there's no reason to panic right now. When Hoiberg comes in, Robin, and just makes it look so easy. I know. I mean, you get five commits in six days. What's the football team doing? I mean, seriously. (laughs) You've had a busier – and this is rare. Robin Washett has had a busier recruiting summer than the football team. Yeah. Yeah, this probably the first of very few years where that actually it's happened. It's like the once-in-a-lifetime winner. What well, was a once-in-a-lifetime recruiting cycle for basketball? I just like Nate putting on his Aaron Rodgers hat and doing the R-E-L-A-X. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final question here of the mailbag. We try to go a little lighter on that. Give us a good vacation spot was the question. Um, if you'd recommend one, and I'll start with this one. Marco Island, Florida, um, had a chance to go there last year. Um, you know, it's in the States, so you don't have to go, but it was as close to, you know, it's, it's the best beaches you're going to find arguably in the 48 States, white sand wave, not very wave, you know, not, not every deep water. The waves are manageable for kids. Uh, just a beautiful place, dolphins swimming everywhere. So I'd, I'd recommend Marco Island. I'm a big fan of Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. It's a little island right between the South Carolina-Georgia border. And for one, it's got great golf there if you're into that. Two, uh, it's got super nice beaches and just a real laid-back, uh, just kind of cool vibe that uh, was a great family vacation spot um, that I went to a couple years ago and had an excellent time already thinking about going back and hopefully trying to get that done very soon. I've only really been to one destination vacation and that was Punta Cana last year and now there's all sorts of American tourists dying over there. So yeah. <laughs> sure. Maybe hold off on yeah, that. Maybe, maybe what about seafood that? restaurants and Tampa shopping malls? Yeah, we're not, we're not even going to go there. That was a, that was <laughs> yeah. a Greg Peterson recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, inside the mall. Don't eat at seafood restaurants inside of a mall. Uh, anyway. Dang that, it, Greg. We, we, we eat well on the road. Well, not when you're not there. We don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so as far as vacations go, I mean, I enjoyed my time uh, at Punta Cana in, in the Dominican. But, yeah, I would maybe do a little bit more research with, uh, with how things are going there lately. So that was Dominican where you were at? Yeah, last summer. It was fine. <laughs> I, had a, I had a blast. It was good. Yeah. You just didn't drink anything. No, I drank a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get sick. And David Ortiz was shot there too as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. When we come back, promise more recruiting talk. We're going to wrap up what happened at the Pipeline Camp and Friday Night Lights number one. And then our final segment, we're going to preview the big barbecue weekend as well as the final Friday Night Lights Camp. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus now as we're going to talk camps here. Nate, Nebraska held their inaugural pipeline camp in Lincoln uh, this past weekend. They also had their first Friday Night Lights event. And, you know, neither was like a star-studded event as far as, you know, I think we got this idea that Friday night lights are all going to be like how they had been in past years, but there's really, and, and we talked about this off the air, Nate, there's one difference now with June weekends this year and last year, but particularly now more than ever this year, guys can take official visits in June. So you're seeing a lot of prospects, Nate, use these June weekends for true official visits. We're going to see that in Lincoln this weekend. And we're going to talk about that in our next segment of all the guys coming in town. But 
I looked at Saturday and I looked at Friday, but particularly Saturday as more of a 2021, 2022 identifying event. It's really not about 2020 because you're almost you're you're not done, but you're almost done with your offers and evaluations for 2020. Yeah, and I feel like that's how camps across the country have been kind of trending towards over the past few years is where you know, anytime you have these big satellite camps or or the Friday night lights or the even the pipeline camp, I think that you're going to find way more value in seeing and working with the underclassmen at those events more so than than the, the seniors to be because I, th- I do think that for the most part you've got a pretty good idea of of the the seniors to be that you're already after the guys that you've offered uh, now obviously there's always exceptions to the rule there's always some in-state guys you know heading into their senior years that you want to be able to take a closer look at and, and work with and whatnot but uh, I, th- I just think that there's way more value um, in, in kind of discovering and working with those underclassmen at these types of deals than than there is in the um, you know in the the seniors to be and and I think that's where you know you're not going to always see an instant payoff with the satellite camps or even with the Friday night lights or um, the pipeline camp. I think it's it's what what happens or what comes down the road from from these initial visits and and the, the kids participating in these events. Uh, but you're right too. I mean, the official visits that's changed everything too. It was last year was the first time that that juniors could start to take and a lot of schools visits. didn't have a visits to use yep. last June. I mean, yep. the, the 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 clock timing and things last year made it a little bit more difficult for schools to bring in visitors in June. Yeah, and so. Uh, you know that was the first year where you could you could uh, juniors could take visits from April first to the end of June and um, and you're right this year you're seeing I think a lot more people do that uh, you're seeing schools that had kind of budgeted more to d- to do that um, and it's the last two weekends in June that where a lot of schools are trying to bring in official visitors before the dead period and and I think you know for for players that are wanting to make a decision before their senior year. It does. It makes a lot of sense to be able to to take a couple officials in June, um, in in you know, kind of April, e- even April. Prepare, yeah, in even April uh, to kind of prepare to make that decision before your senior year. So, uh, so yeah, the, I think the days of seeing you know kind of what we saw under Mike Riley at times where you had you know fifteen, twenty, four or five star type of the guys landscape's and, different. Yeah, it's, it's changed a lot. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Let's talk about the pipeline camp, Nate. 300 guys in town from 20 different states. You had several former Husker linemen involved working it, including all five original starters from the or from the 1994 original Nebraska pipeline line. Guys like Rob Zatica and Brendan Stye and Aaron Graham. Um, all those guys were in Lincoln working the camp as 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 a group. Um, and then you had Jason Peter there, Adam Carricker. But a number of coaches made their way into town. Um, Les Miles, clearly the most high-profile guy, but Miami was there. Um, I don't think A&M was there. Um, Louisville wasn't there, um, but Arizona State was there. You know, Louisville said they were going to be there, but I'm not sure if I did see any coaches from Louisville there. Um, but, yeah, Rice was there, Rutgers. Um, I mean, it was, it was like 10 to 12 other Adidas schools that were there. So it, it was a good turnout for year one, and – I think, if anything, it just laid the foundation for what this is going to be. It reminded me a little bit of when Bill Callahan tried to kind of launch or launch the quarterback camp at Nebraska. It was, at that time, one of the only true quarterback camps at any school in the country. And you had young 
kids like Ryan Mallett coming to Nebraska as a freshman. You had Josh Freeman coming as a freshman, Blaine Gabbert coming as a freshman. You go down the line, if we went back and studied those early lists of those Bill Callahan quarterback camps, some of the talent and the young, young groups, you didn't even realize it, but they were five-star type guys. And I think that's what's going to happen at this pipeline camp over time. Yeah, um, yeah, you had guys that went on to play in the NFL uh, to come out of those early quarterback camps, which is pretty amazing to, to go back and look at. Um, and, and I think the, the pi- this pipeline camp has the same type of potential. I think that um, in year one to have 300 prospects that are just strictly offensive and defensive linemen come to the camp, kind of get after it and, and uh, be able to play or, or compete in half shells and, and really, um, you know, get down and dirty in the trenches, I, I think it was a good deal. But um, you know, had 20 other states represented. And I think that in a year from now, two years from now, you're going to see that number kind of cr- climb up there and, and probably even see more states represented. Um, right now, I, I think it's always going to be a heavy Midwestern-centric camp uh, just because of proximity. But I think, you know, in the, in the next year or two, I think it's going to become more of a destination camp where especially younger up and coming line prospects say, OK, this is this is a camp we got to get to because uh, we're going to get exposure. We're going to get good coaching. We're going to be seen by a lot of schools. Yeah, it was long, too. I mean, it felt like it wasn't long on paper, but I mean, they were on the field for quite a while, three hours of instruction and drill time. And, you know, Nate, I got to ask you, Teddy Prohaska was there. Um, looked dinged his shoulder a little, a little yeah. at the end, but uh, just another opportunity now to see Teddy came out at what number 46 in the first rivals 143. 43, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, um, so as high of an initial ranking as we've seen on a Nebraska prospect probably since Baker Steincooler. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, Xavier Betts right now is sitting in at uh, 46, I believe, in the 2020 rivals 100. So yeah, to, to debut at, at number 43 overall in the nation uh, for an in-state kid. And, and not only that, but he's right now, he's the highest-ranked kid in the 500-mile radius. That's uh, crazy, that's, man. Yeah. That's, Higher than any Missouri guy, any Colorado guy. Yep. That, that says something right there. Yeah, absolutely it does. And so, um, I mean, that right that's really, really impressive. And, and you know, to, I mean, that in itself is impressive. But I, I think that he's got, um, you know, he hasn't yet to reach his ceiling. I think that he could even climb up the rankings if he continues to progress like I think he can. And so, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not proclaiming that he's going to be a five-star or anything like that, but uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he doesn't have a chance to become one. Uh, I think he does. And, and now we, we've seen him now, you know, at two different events, and he's been impressive in both. And, and so, uh, you know, I think if he keeps on working and, and you know, I think he's just kind of starting to scratch the surface of his potential and realize, you know, just how athletic and big he is and how to use that size and athleticism to his advantage, uh, there's no telling how good uh, Teddy Prohaska could end up being. Tell me if you agree or disagree with this statement. There's never been a prospect in the state of Nebraska in recent history at this age that you can say is an NFL guy, like this early. Like It usually takes longer, but I think with this guy now, you're like, I mean, this is a guy that is going to play on Sundays. Yeah, it, and not in the Rivals.com era. I, I have not seen – um, you know, dating back to like 2002, I don't know if I've seen an in-state kid where you go, holy cow, he has everything to become an NFL guy. Because like Niles Paul's still in the league, but you didn't know how he would morph into the NFL. Yeah. But he's found a niche. Yeah, he really has. Fa- he's found a niche. Kickers um, are different. You don't. It, we didn't know Greg Zerloin. Yeah. I mean, I met him in high school, but you, you couldn't have called those things at that age. Yeah. I mean, and we knew Niles was pretty special, um, but yeah, we didn't know – 
I mean, we, we didn't know that neither one of us would Harrison ever, Phillips, we never could have projected yeah. he's going to be a second, was a third round pick, I think. For, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, if, if Teddy keeps on progressing like I think he can, uh, there's no telling how good he could be because he, he has legitimate NFL size, NFL wingspan, and the athleticism to go along with it to be pretty darn special. And he's motivated. That's what yep. I like about the kid. I mean, he – he didn't have to do the pipeline camp. Nope. But yeah, he, and he's he's a tough kid. I mean, he's a competitor. And that's something you don't always see, you know. And I think that's what I liked from the from Blaze Gunnerson at the Friday Night Lights camp too, is he didn't have to go out there and work out. You know, he's he's got all these offers. He's already narrowed his list down to a couple schools. The last thing he needed to do was go out there and prove anything to Nebraska. But the way he's wired, just like Garrett Nelson out of Scott's Bluff, like they love to go out and compete. They love to go out and work and, and try to get better and sharpen their craft. And so uh, I love seeing that out of out of recruits and, and prospects when they go out and they decide to go work out. Um, you know, obviously you're always kind of taking a little bit of a chance, maybe of getting injured or whatever. But uh, to me, that tells me it tells me an awful lot of what you're made of when you go out there and do those types of things. All right, when we come back, we're going to preview Nebraska's final June recruiting weekend as they're going to host a number of guys on official visits here as well as unofficial visits. It will be their Friday Night Lights camp and their big barbecue here. So it's going to be very busy. Nate will get us ready for the weekend. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we get you ready now for one of the busier recruiting weekends Nebraska's going to have at least until September or um, season opening weekend when they have South Alabama in here, uh, Nate. And as you kind of look at it, I mean, give us your early breakdown, your early take on this final Friday Night Lights in the barbecue weekend, I know a lot of guys. How many visit? Is it eight, nine official visitors that will be? Or, or, or no, it's it's only four or five officials. Four or five officials, but then like the number. But, but of, yeah, the number of unofficials and officials. I mean, it's it's going to be pushing fifteen different kids uh, that are in for the barbecue this weekend. So, um, and the number continues to grow. I mean, just today. They added, um, you know, former Husker wide receiver signee Dominic Watt out of Garden City. Yeah, what's up with that? They're, so they they they've re well yeah, committed the offer. They they well see that's the question. I don't know if they have necessarily re offered him, uh, but I can tell you this much: they as of mid May, the last time I talked to Dominic Watt, they had not really been in any type of contact whatsoever. I know that Nebraska had gone through Garden City. But Dominic told me he had really hadn't heard anything from Nebraska, uh, but that he was hoping to. And so for him to, to come out and say that he was taking an unofficial visit to, to Lincoln this weekend, I think, you know, that's big news. Obviously, Nebraska has reconnected with him a little bit and, and uh, they're keeping an eye on him. So, uh, you know, that's that's something that's it's fairly noteworthy, I, th- I believe. Um, you know, anytime you're talking about a former signee that's going to be on campus um, taking, you know, taking an unofficial visit, I think that's uh, that's a pretty big deal. So, uh, but yeah, there's going to be, you know, 15 – 15 plus kids uh, on campus and and you've, you've had a kid visit earlier in the week and Devin Curtis who's a, a, a three you know high three four star type of, of linebacker out of Nashville Tennessee Brentwood Academy kid 
Um, you know, he was the linebacker MVP at the St. Louis Rivals camp. Uh, he's a kid that's played football for several years against Husker Saint E. Jackson Hanna. Um, and so, you know, that's something uh, that's fairly noteworthy too, uh, especially when you look at the need Nebraska has at the, the linebacker position, in, inside linebacker in particular. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Nate, as we look at the weekend too, some 2021 quarterbacks are going to be here. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a bunch of Italians getting together. Yeah. We got Verdusco, uh, Mar- Mariucci, Marucci, Marucci, and Costelli, and Costelli. Yeah. So Verdusco, Marucci, Costelli. Uh, There's a good chance we might see him at Vincenzo's yeah. or one of the area <laughs> Italian restaurants well, down here in the Haymarket. Well, they're, they're unofficials, so if they do eat off campus, uh, it can't be with the with the coaches necessarily, or they've got to be paying for their own food. But uh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting development in itself that. There's here's two quarterbacks that you were one of the first programs to offer in Costelli's instance. He, Nebraska was the very first school to offer. Uh, they've since gone on to add a handful of other offers. Now Verduzco watched Marucci uh, throw at the FAU camp, and that's what prompted the offer from him. At that point in time, he's also a kid that they had uh, kind of visited during the spring, but. Um, you know, they've got their quarterback recruiting wrapped up in 2020 with Logan Smothers. And so uh, they've gone ahead and, and looked, uh, you know, and moved ahead to the 2021 class. And right now, Costelli and Marucci are two kids that, that are right towards the top of the list. And, um, you know, and I think it's good to bring them in at the same time and let them know that, hey, look, we got one spot for this, you know, for this 2021 uh, quarterback class. And, um, you know, we like both you guys and, and kind of first come, first serve there. Now, here's the whole list, Nate. Xavier Betts will be in town, um, and he'll be – obviously, the Bellevue West commits to Nebraska. Turner Corcoran will be here. Is it Aju Aju? Ajo, Ajo. Ajo. Okay, I'm thinking prime rib here yeah. saying the Aju. Ajo, Ajo out of Clearwater, Florida will be on as official. Alex Kahn, an offensive lineman out of Derby, Kansas. Savian Morrison from Tulsa, Oklahoma, a running back. Yep, Sevy. Call him Sevy. Sevy. Yep. Malik Reed, offside linebacker from Chandler, Arizona. Coy Bryant Strothy, Strother, uh, yeah, and yeah, he's inside linebacker out of Georgia. Uh, Mister Williams, an inside linebacker out of Westlake Village, California. Omar Manning, out of Kilgore Junior College, receiver, will yep. be on his official visit. And then Dominic Watt, another junior college receiver. So, two JUCO guys here. I mean, do you get the sense Nebraska wants one JUCO receiver to bring in with this this recruiting class? Yeah, I, I think they want to bring in uh, for sure. They want to bring in a big-bodied guy. And I know that's something that people have been clamoring for for it seems like since Maurice Purify was on since on Will roster. Henry left. Yeah, since yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's always you know, when's Nebraska going to six three, six four, or taller? You know, wide receiver. Well, um, I don't know, but I can tell you they're making a big, big, strong push. Omar Manning is is a former four star uh, that originally signed with TCU, uh, went ahead and and left TCU, went to Kilgore. Um, and is going to be graduating early from from Kilgore. Uh, is probably one of you know one of the top JUCO wide receivers in the nation. He's a six four, two hundred pound wide out, uh, so he would definitely fit that fit that role. As would Dominic Watt. You know, Watt is a he's a legit six three. 190, 195 pound kid. So uh, you got two big wide receivers, two JUCO guys, and and I think the thinking there is that you know what we want to give Adrian Martinez uh, as many weapons uh, as we can as soon as we can to kind of maximize his remaining time here in Lincoln, and and so 
Uh, if they can go out and get a big body JUCO guy that could come in and compete right away, I think I think that would you know diversify that room a little bit and, and add a little bit you know or add one more weapon that he could potentially use. Now, Mr. Williams, we talked about the linebackers. Uh, you know, I think that that's an important position. Uh, especially inside guys, uh, Mr. Williams was here for the uh, for the spring game, and I think that uh, between him and Malik Reed, who was also here for the spring game, uh, for those guys to be taking their official visit right now, um, you know, on the heels of Devin Curtis visiting, uh, you know, I think that I think we could see something something happen between one of those guys and oh, and Coy, uh, you know, Bryant Struthers too, out of uh, out of uh, Georgia. All all four of those guys are inside linebackers, and so. Um, and, and they're all wanting to make a decision sooner rather than later. They've they've posted their top five or their top six or whatever. Um, they're all wanting to make a decision sooner rather than later. So, uh, you know, I, I could see something happening with at least one or two of those guys uh, sooner rather than later. And, um, you know, and you've got uh, – um, I'm drawing a blank now on who the other official, uh, official visitor there uh, was coming in uh, – Besides Struthers and and uh, Malik, oh Sevy Morrison, the the running back out of Oklahoma, uh, between him and Marvin Scott, I think those two guys are right at the very top of of the board for Ryan Held at that running back position. Uh, and I think you know depending on what happens with Tompkins coming in, who, who still has some academic work to do, um, you know we'll see Nebraska take it f- one running back for sure, but maybe two between uh, the questions with Tompkins and. And who knows what's going to happen with uh, Maurice Washington. So um, I think it's good to get two of your top guys at running back in for an official visit too. Nate, tell me about TJ Bowlers out of Tiffin, Iowa. Four-star outside linebacker. Is he the number one guy? Where do you have him ranked right now in Iowa for 2021? He'll be here as well this weekend. Yeah, uh, and that's big to have him back on campus right now. I would say TJ Bowlers is probably the number one guy in Iowa for the class of 2021. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, he's, I think this is his third or fourth visit to Lincoln since the staff has arrived here. Um, you know, and it's interesting because the Hawkeyes, his dad played for Iowa. Um, and obviously the Hawkeyes are pushing really, really hard for TJ Bowler. So that's going to be a battle. So that's going to be a battle. But the interesting part about it is that Eric Chenander played with his dad at Iowa and Frank Verducci, who's a offensive analyst here uh, on the staff. <laughs> He was the the coach for both those guys at Iowa. And so there's a connection at Nebraska, too. Now, it may not be the colors of the the school that those guys played for, uh, but there's some familiarity there. There's at least a relationship that's going to lead to a visit. Uh, yeah, well, it already has. I mean, it, he's been on campus four or five times now uh, over the last year or so. So uh, I think that's that's something that's trending really, really well. Uh, now, I'm not saying Nebraska's going to get him. I'm not saying that you know it's going to be a slam dunk or it's going to be easy or anything like that because it is going to be really, really hard. But uh, I think it's that's uh, definitely newsworthy when you're talking about the number one guy in Iowa having visited Nebraska this many times now and and coming once again before the dead period. Well, it's going to be a very, very busy weekend in Lincoln. The Husker Online team will have you covered, and uh, we got a great special as well. If you're not a member on HuskerOnline.com, perfect time to join. Um, you can sign up now until the end of June and get the entire summer for free until the start of fall camp on August 2nd. So uh, take advantage of the special offer with GBR Free 19. Um, by logging on to Husker Online here over the weekend, um, if you want to read all the recruiting content, as Nebraska will have a lot going on uh, with the number of prospects that will be here in Lincoln. 
Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.